Hi, everyone, and welcome to this APQC podcast. I'm Lauren Trees. I lead APQC's Knowledge Management Research. And I'm Holly Lake Hoagland. I lead APQC's Process and Performance Management Research. And today, Holly and I are very excited to be hosting three fantastic speakers from our upcoming Process and Knowledge Management Conference in October. And all three of these speakers are going to be talking about their knowledge and process journeys at the conference. So they have lots of insights on KM and process management program development. And we're really here to find out how they built knowledge and process capabilities into their organizations, how they've evolved those capabilities and and taken them to the next level, along with any tips they have for fast tracking, avoiding pitfalls, all those kinds of good things. So without further ado, I will introduce our guests today. We have Allison Wilkins from Prudential, CJ Newsom from Pratt & Whitney, and Jose Castro from CMI. So I'm gonna jump right into it and start with the first question. As I said, um, all three of you are sharing your knowledge and process journeys. And I'd love to hear from each of you what motivated your organizations to start down this road and what kind of results were you looking for, opportunities or challenges you're looking to tackle. So Jose, why don't we start with you? Sure thing, Lauren. Thank you very much for hosting us today. Uh, regarding your question, we, we wanted to be consistent with our vision to be a, a world-class organization. So in 2019, we, we revamped our strategic framework. Uh, we made key decisions as to which business capabilities we, we wanted to focus for the following years. Uh, among the top two, it was surely developing a process-driven organization as well, you know, taking this capability hand in hand with a continuous improvement culture. That seemed for us to be the right combination to to take our services to the next level. That was really our motivation and and how we wanted to start down this road. And the results that that we were looking for mainly uh, spin around standardization across the different business lines and geographies that, that we operate in. Fantastic. So, CJ, I'd like to hear from you as well on this, because um, I feel like you guys started from a little bit different place, but but maybe some commonalities as well. Sure. So, CJ from Pratt & Whitney. And, you know, really how it started um, is our boss's boss asked, um, do we know all the processes at Pratt & Whitney? And um, we had to say no. And but some people said, well, we've got the quality management system, right? We have the QMS and that covers everything. But then as we started to dig in, we really realized that it did not include all of our processes. So um, really what we wanted to do is establish a holistic framework, um, really start to pull together all the silos at Pratt & Whitney. So that was really our strategy. And really uh, the big buzzword at Pratt is horizontal alignment. And really this was the foundation for that, connecting silos and looking across value streams end to end. Really, this was really the foundation for us. Fantastic. So CJ, you mentioned silos. Allison, I know that that is one part of the impetus for the the knowledge management program development at Prudential. Um, I'd love to hear uh, your your perspective on this and and where you guys started and, and what you're hoping to achieve. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Lauren. Um, You know, our current environment 
had disparate repositories. So, you know, we're responsible for all the U.S. businesses. And they were, um, each business had an inconsistent method for searching, for maintaining content. And it really didn't allow us for a consistent end user experience or even a holistic view um, to see improvement opportunities. And this really required the need to implement a centralized KM repository tool and to standardize the content management, and then also add search functionality, allowing users, you know, whether they want to do an enterprise or localized search, um, and really providing that same end user experience across the enterprise and finding the right information at the right time. And this all is really in order to service and engage our customers successfully. Holly, I'm going to turn things over to you to ask the next question. All right. Thanks, Lauren. So I know one of the common threads through all three of your journeys is you've used one form or another of an APTC framework, whether it was the process classification framework, uh, the seven tenets of process management, or the knowledge management uh, framework as well. Um, I would like to kind of learn a little bit more about how you guys integrated those into your work and some of the benefits. CJ, how, what framework did you use and, and how did you integrate it into the work that you've been doing? Holly, yeah, thanks. So for us, it was the process classification framework and we used the airspace and defense. Uh, it is nice that there are tailored frameworks. So we certainly uh, felt that it was a great starting point for us. Um, you know, we didn't have to start from scratch, which was nice. Uh, everyone's busy these days. So certainly that helped us quite a bit. Um, and it was really what we wanted to do is making sure we didn't miss anything significant. You know, it's, it's a lot to do. You start to look across a large organization like Pratt & Whitney with over 40,000 employees, a lot of processes. And this certainly helped us uh, start. Um, we began using it also to benchmark with other divisions. It helps us with some common language. So with Pratt & Whitney and Collins, and now as we've integrated with RTX or Raytheon Technologies, it's provided us a strong foundation uh, and commonality that's helped us really get kickstarted. And we've been re refining it now for really over 18 months. And especially using that common language and those standards, you're able to then be able to help cross those silos by, by looking at things the same way and look horizontally that way. So. Absolutely. Common language, it sounds simple, but getting that is really very important. And it really starts to people say, well, okay, well, that's what you mean. And I think, you know, um, aerospace and defense and like many industries, uh, we have a lot of nuances and I think uh, it really has helped us a lot. Thank you very much. Um, Allison, can you tell us a little bit about the framework you used, um, how you integrated it in your journey, and some of the benefits? Yes, definitely, Holly. Um, so we used the KM program framework, um, which had the phases of so the call to action, developing the KM strategy, um, designing and implementing the KM capabilities, and then evolving and sustaining. Um, and what was really nice about this is it helped us ensure, one, that we stayed on track. Um, but two, that we had a way to measure success. And we did this based on achieving um, the established results. So I loved how you did that with that framework. You know, you had all the specifics, but then, you know, once you've met that, um, there was a, a result at the end of each phase. Um, and I'll tell you, the framework really helped in creating a solid plan as we went on this journey. And it provided clarity on objectives, um, which really, really helped us educate um, and obtain stakeholder buy-in because that was critical with this project. 
Um, so they understood the, the approach and uh, it helped us really integrate uh, best practices and really get buy-in out of the gate um, and that kind of funnel throughout the organization. So that worked very well, that tool. So kind of you had the, already a, a strategic roadmap for, for accomplishing the journey you wanted to with key milestones and measures that you could then use to help give feedback and, and sh- with people and say, hi, this is an objective plan. It's already well established. And here's how we know what good's going to look like throughout the journey. That's right. That's okay. right. Um, Jose, uh, can you tell me a little bit about the frameworks you guys used and, and how they played out in your journey, please? Sure, Holly. Uh, I think it's important uh, to understand the complexity that, that we encounter. We, we're, we're running in uh, 15 countries, three different um, continents, and our business lines vary from restaurants all the way to uh, renewable energy projects, real estate projects. So it's really a very diversified uh, portfolio operating at the Share Service Center. We wanted to provide that central guideline, that framework to help our business grow and, and make sure that, that we can really provide a better service day to day. We used a combination of uh, the seven tenets of process management as an overall framework. Um, and, and, you know, we saw a lot of, we saw it as a recipe that included many of the ingredients that we had considered very important to achieve our, our business goals. And ultimately, as I mentioned previously, our, our strategy as well. Um, as in any recipe, the, the only way to know if you like it or not, if it's going to work or not, is to give it a shot. So we decided to do that. That's when we also uh, brought the, the PCF uh, to, to help us, you know, to help us guide on the process specifics, make sure that everyone had the same understanding on what a process is and what will be an adequate structure from a shared service center perspective to manage all of the services that we provide to the different uh, business units. And again, going to the recipe analogy, we, we also had to think it through uh, how to give it our personal touch, how to give it our personal flavor, and make sure that everything that, that we had in these seven tenets, as well as the PCF, uh, that we could adapt it to the company's culture and way of working. Um, as you know, most of, you know, simple barriers, most of the content you would find in English. So, it, you know, 80 to 90% of the company is, is Spanish based. So that's what, that was a challenge that we had to overcome, make sure that we adapted in uh, to the tools, the geographic and technical landscape. So I think that it was a great recipe for us to follow. Um, and that's what has taken us all the way here. In terms of benefits, which also was part of your question, uh, we gain a lot of clarity in, in how, how to bottom down a process-driven and continuous improvement culture, which is something that when you mention it may sound a little bit utopic or something that you cannot feel or that you cannot see with your own eyes. So it, it really gave us a lot of clarity and it gave us a different point of view on, on how to involve tools, technologies, improvement, change management, not as separate efforts that, that we probably already had, but more as intertwined business capabilities. And that's where we could exploit the synergies between them. I love the recipe analogy, especially like one of the purposes of the seven tenets is to look at all those things people tend to miss. 
So if you're baking a cake and you forget the salt, for example, like strategic alignment or change management, then it's not going to quite work the way that you want it to. It's not going to have the same flavor or, or achieve the goals that you wanted from it. So thank you. I love that analogy quite a bit. Um, I know, Lauren, you had another question you wanted to post to the group. Absolutely. And I love hearing how the APQC frameworks have helped jumpstart people, um, help them understand what's possible, and then achieve certain goals, whether it's standardizing, building buy-in, figuring out some of those, those milestones along the way. So, so I'm really curious to hear from each of you what's next, um, You know, how you're navigating the now of, of 2021 and, and what you're doing to prepare for the future. So Allison, I'm going to start with you. What, what's next? You know, we're always looking for opportunities to enhance the tool um, really through automation or just to simplify the end user experience. Um, and we do that. Um, we have feedback loops and um, we collect that feedback from users and try to implement those things. Um, we're also taking a deeper dive into our metrics. Um, we're looking to <clears throat> really determine gaps and then engage our business partners on opportunities to either you know, optimize their content or really improve the overall experience. Our metrics tells us um, such a story, but we haven't done a lot of analysis. And now this year, we're very, very focused on that and sharing those results with the businesses to improve. Well, and that makes so much sense in terms of the journey. There's the continuous improvement, so the sustain and evolve part of the framework that you were talking about. And then I think measurement's important all the way along the way, but you can do different things and more sophisticated things and more interesting things in terms of that quantitative and qualitative feedback once you're up and running at a really high level. So true. So Jose, I'd love to hear from you as well in terms of, of the, the next step and where CMI is, is headed in terms of its continuous improvement culture and journey. Um, well, first, uh, I would surely have to mention discipline. Uh, we have a solid process-driven structure that, that we want to maintain, that we want to challenge, and that we want to continuously improve. So discipline is fundamental to achieve these goals um, as we as we speak about it. Uh, second would surely be resilience and adaptability. You know, things have surely changed since early 2020 with the pandemic. I mentioned that strategy is part of our main driver of everything that we that we are currently doing. So I, I think that a strategy review is due just to make sure that everything that we um, you know that we had planned in 2019, it's still relevant or we need to adapt to all of the changes um, so we can adapt and overcome, as you mentioned, in navigating the now and, and prepare for the future. So I think that's something very relevant. We have less uncertainty now than we had last year. So I think that's a plus and we have to look at it from a positive side. And I think that third, uh, it, it would be to you know create good stories uh, as part of our a hundred year anniversary that campaign, that's something that is ringing a lot, you know, hundred years of stories, a lot has happened. You, you can't imagine what can happen in a hundred years. It is very rewarding to be part of, of these stories, but it's also a challenge that, that we have taken to create good stories. Um, and we understand that to do that, we have to, you know, we have to keep a balance between being disciplined, but also challenging the, the status quo, 
even in difficult times, bring disruptive solutions to the table. We understand that's something we have to do to create good stories. Otherwise, it's just going to be boring. Uh, and, you know, combining these three elements, I think that is uh, going to help us and, you know, help us continue our journey to be a, a world-class organization. No, that's fantastic. We have a speaker, keynote speaker for the conference talking about storytelling. And Holly and I talk about this all the time. You can do good work in knowledge management and process management, but if, if people don't know about it and feel it throughout the organization, um, then you're probably not going to get that sustained support that you need. I also loved what you were saying about change and about recognizing that what seemed like a good idea 18 months ago may not be the same uh, as where where you need to be right now. Um, CJ, I know for Pratt & Whitney, obviously there's been a lot of change in general over the last couple of years. You guys are also dealing with uh, you know mergers and acquisitions and things like that. So in, in the context of all of that change, what's next for, for your program and, and what you're doing? So I, I think fundamentally we, we stick with this framework, right? And in the short term, we continue to revise our eight-step process. So we continue to improve our processes, align our processes. Um, what we've now developed is a process Gemba, which is basically, as we talked about continuous improvement, how do we prioritize what, what, what are the key processes that touch multiple groups? Um, and we also look at um, under, understanding how these handoffs occur. Uh, and this is really kind of what we've been digging into. The ownership, as simple as it sounds, um, who's accountable for that process? And that's really, this is really driven as how we start. And then we look at how, how the handoffs occur. So that's the next steps. And not just within Pratt & Whitney, but within Collins, uh, Raytheon Missiles Defense, and Raytheon Space. So we're, we're really looking to connect across not only Pratt, but into uh, Raytheon Technologies, our new merger, and across you know over 100,000 folks, this is this is really the way we do that. And really, it's driven common processes, common roles, and common tools. That's really our our goal. And this is really what we expect to help us to be successful for the future. And as you said, these challenging times. I love that common processes, common roles, and common tools. And I love that you're emphasizing the roles and accountability because that is where so many organizations get tripped up on this. And I love hearing from, from all of you guys just in terms of the continuous improvement that you have going on and, and how thoughtful you've been about how you're going to navigate the now coming out of hopefully the pandemic era into whatever the, the world holds for us. So, so thank you all for sharing your experiences both today and at the conference in October. And thank you all for listening to this APQC podcast. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe to APQC podcasts or visit apqc.org to learn more. <laughs>